0: I'm Dermot Hussey. Welcome to Riffin Radio, the podcast. It's a collection of interviews with artists from various genres spanning three decades and giving more context to the music we love. He's been described as the greatest living calypsonian. Slinger Francisco, also known as the Mighty Sparrow, he made Trinidad's Calypso a global music. I spoke to the Mighty Sparrow in the 90s. Sparrow, before your first appearance at the old brigade tent in 1954, how much experience prior to that had you had in
1: Calypso? Virtually none. Just singing around the street corners and singing to my friends, singing at home, singing in school. That's about it, but nothing professional.
0: It is said though that you seem to have known then a great many Calypsos by heart. What was it in there that had attracted you to it? It said, for instance, that you had studied a lot of the early Calypsonians like Invader,
1: Kitchener and Melody. Well, I would heard them, but I never really studied them in the true sense of the word. But like anything else, uh, you learn uh, from hearing things on the radio, hearing it at Carnival time, you know, little bits and pieces here and there. What well, I find fascinating that in 1956,
0: you won the Calypso title. Yet well, you had had, prior to that, so little experience, how did you cover the
1: ground so rapidly? You know how competitions go, it all depends on how you perform on that night. I wouldn't think or I wouldn't dare to say that I was better than the the guys I beat on that night because they had all the experience, I had virtually none. But on that night, whatever inspired me just was good enough to impress the judges and I was awarded the prize and give them some good licks. One of your first calypses then is indeed one
0: of your classics, Gene and Dinah. That's right. Yankees Gone and Sparrow over now. Now, that sentiment of the Yankees having left Trinidad at, at least a decade before, was somehow given a kind of new currency in that song? Was that a feeling that was still very much alive in the Trinidadian mind as a result of the you know the experience with the
1: Americans? Well, I don't think that um, the Yankees had left a decade before. The Yankees had just left, I believe they must have left somewhere in 1954, 55. You understand? And it, 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 it had just dawned on me that it was um, good thinking to make a song about the situation as the girls were now back in control uh, of the locals. <laughs> the local boys were now back in control. And um, if the Yankees had left ten years before, I wouldn't make a song like that, you know. <laughs> mm. It was a recent thing. It was recent, okay.
0: Gordon, earlier the professor of West Indian, West Indian Literature says that there's a parallel between your emergence and the emergence of the PNM in Trinidad. And he cites um, the fact that you sang Calypso that referred to the party in particular, as well as the policies of Eric Williams. Do you really see that there was a, a an actual... Was that a coincidence or was it deliberate?
1: I think coincidence, but when it comes to Gordon Rowley, um I don't know exactly what he said, but I really wish that, where I am concerned, he would have interviewed me. So at least I could have given my side of the story for his (laughs) opinion about me.
0: Oh, he didn't. I didn't realize that either. A serious shortcoming in scholarship. If you say so. (laughs) Many of your Calypso Sparrow speak, touch on politics, although that's not your main interest. From what I've been able to gather, I mean, you've dealt with many other themes, a wide range of themes. But what are the themes that really struck you most of all in terms of, you know, making commentary on what you were seeing around and about you in Trinidad?
1: I comment on life itself our way of living, our way of enjoying ourselves, our way of criticising and politicking and uh, the good and the bad. So I find um, ample scope for observation. It doesn't have to be any one particular theme. If you try to single me down to one particular theme, you can find yourself in a lot of problems. Because I would sing about carnival, I would sing about save the world and the church and the the good behaviour and the bad behaviour, Sing about uh, children and the education system and the the good things that the politicians do and the bad things they do. When they are good, I say, praise little Eric, rejoice and be glad. And when I thought it was not so good, I said, you better come good because I have a big piece of mango within <laughs> inferring yeah. a, a, a threat. Another thing that's
0: been remarkable about Trinidadian society is that there's a level of tolerance. I mean, the political order respected the individuality of the Calypsonian and his right to make commentary. Was that at any time ever challenged in your
1: experience? Mm, I would think so. I mean, not every politician is as broad minded as he is supposed to be. And, um, you know, regimes change and attitudes change and what used to be acceptable under one regime is no longer acceptable under another regime. And um, in subtle ways you find yourself, even though, uh, as I said in one of my songs, you have the right to criticize, yet you are victimized. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Could you just give us some commentaries on the, the themes of... Tunes like Outkast, uh, Simpson,
1: and Mr. Walker. And these songs are self-explanatory. At one time, you know, they had the rumor that Sparrow was dead, and uh, I tried to live it light hearted even letting people know that the guy who said Sparrow was dead was a funeral agency man trying to make some money. Oh really? Was that really and, what uh, went down? That was Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> and um more than one occasion, on mo- on more than one occasion it was rumored that Sparrow died. I even make a joke on stage and tell them that the woman said to me, If you're dead, boy, you must have dead from the waist come up because go down is trouble. And um you know, there's a lot of jealousy and there's a lot of ignorance and sometimes people just Uh, don't know what to say, you know, because I don't think they were used to Calypsonians being as good as me so long. The who were perhaps better than me, but in brief spells, but being so consistent, Mm -hmm. you know, so this is one of the things. And then, you know, there are those who like you and the detractors out there who don't particularly care for you. And um, anything to, to undermine your importance in the society. If they say that you're sick or that you died or somebody you know, people start feeling sorry for you, you're no longer vibrant and alive and kicking and, you know, competitive. So they're gonna try to nullify your influence. Mm -hmm. But they can't do that because the bird have a way of rebounding. Outcast, was that a particular comment
0: on how the society regarded exactly. steel band Exactly.
1: Players? The steel band man and the calypsonians were not really um, fully embraced in the society. And as I say, the song is self-explanatory. Calypsonians really catch hell for a long time. To be associated with a calypsonian or a steel band man, you were taking your future, your, your, your life in your hands to go to, the, to, go to where they practice. And, uh, you know, people look at you as uh, slumming or doing something really, really wrong, stupid. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I'm glad to say that I happened to be, I was able to live long enough to see that these um, old clichés and, uh, became irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact of the matter is that the culture, Calypso and Steel Band, really um, blossomed into something of substance and people really mm-hmm. uh, appreciated it and, and was able to embrace it and mm-hmm. not merely give it tolerance around carnival time but all, all through the year. Mm.
0: What about a song like Congo Man? Was that controversial, particularly with regard to some sensitive Africans who might have felt that you were pandering to the myth that there were savages and cannibals? Did that ever occur?
1: I don't. Think so. I mean, all sorts of things can be conjured up. I mean, if people judge me by what I say, is one thing. I mean, if they judge me by what I, what they think I mean, is something else. Um, I was talking about cannibalism and I took specific pains and care to explain. I'm talking about a cannibal head hunter. And if anybody wants to analyze the lyrics, they can see. You know, two white women traveling through Africa found themselves in the hands of a cannibal headhunter. What does a cannibal do? I mean, <laughs> this is not just my uh, invention. I didn't create cannibalism. I'm merely commenting about it. So, if anybody took offense, they should talk about those who are carnivorous and eat that kind of meat. I am talking about what they did. <laughs>
0: What about your use of language? You always referred to Trinidadian speech. Was that a way of channelling to the people, as well as um, representing them and speaking to them? Trinidadian
1: speech, what do you mean? L-
0: the use of the Trinidad language in your Calypso. In your Calypsos, rather.
1: The Trinidad language is my language, Is the only language I know.
0: But you know, some people, there's always been a kind of attitude about our use of language as to being either proper or improper.
1: I was never um, properly or formally educated in what I call the incubators of knowledge and higher learning. (laughs) I was brought up in a very elementary way. I went to elementary school and... uh, and many things I learned in the University of Life, on the streets of New York, the streets of Port of Spain, and the different Caribbean countries. Mm. And uh, I try to use it as best I can to communicate so people can understand what I'm saying.
0: Mm. What about your use of music? How careful were you about arrangements, musicianship? Because I think that's a special area in a lot of your calypsos that perhaps has not been recognized. But people go back and listen to a lot of those musical backgrounds that supported Eucalypsos.
1: Music is very natural to me. I don't really think very much about it. It's like how I feel. I feel one way today, and this is the music I bring to you. And uh, if you press me tomorrow or the next day about the same song, I can give you some additional lines that may be just as sweet or sweeter. And sometimes the musicians say that I am always changing and changing, but it is how I feel. If I feel to put something jazzy today as arrangement, I put it. And sometimes again, I put something Latin American, Latin jazz, in between the calypso day, and it fit even sweeter. I mean, you know, so it's not a thing that I was trained for, why plan, it just happens. It is open, very open. Yeah. It's natural. Would you say that
0: you have, in your time, revitalized traditional calypso, and if so, in what way?
1: Well, I definitely am sure that I have brought um, additional tempo to the calypso. In my early years, the calypso was never all that vibrant and that type of thing. Before we had the soca, I was very much in the forefront of introducing hot tempo in the form of like 10 to 1, is more like, even Gene and Dinah, um, that in itself wasn't so fast in the very beginning, but from 10 to 1 in 1961, people were telling me that I'm singing a little too fast. Calypso is not sung that fast, and I live to see that Calypso now, 10 to 1 today is like a medium tempo to what's going <laughs> on. So you see, And uh, additionally, um, the structure of the calypso is to be like um, four lines without any particular chorus. And from Sense-Jean and Dana, you can see that everybody followed in the same pattern. You had a complete composition in verse and then a chorus. And, uh, you know. Um, Additionally, I've taken it to many parts of the globe to expose it. Uh, people invite me, I sometimes pay my own passage to go to different places to make sure that there is a Calypso presence there. And in many of the Caribbean islands, there was a guy named Lord Melody, a good friend of mine, uh, who travelled with me extensively to uh, introduce, or to keep the Calypso alive in these different places. We earned a living too, but as it turned out, we really pioneered mm-hmm. the Calypso um, in these parts. Um, people like um, Lord Kitchener, though a very great Calypsoian, he always was, um, I suppose he always will be, but he was in the wrong I mean, in, in the revolution when we were trying to make Calypso and Calypso recognized, accepted.
0: He had migrated to Britain.
1: You understand? Mm-hmm. So he did send a few road march from um, Britain, but uh, that that was about, you know, that was good, because some of the other guys who went away and they didn't do that. But there was a revolution taking place in the Caribbean, Trinidad in particular, and we were the ones who did it.
0: Mm-hmm. Calypso seems to have been superseded in popularity now by, by Soka. But does Soka offer the same kind of possibilities that you developed in terms of satire, Irony, commentary. Does it offer that as a vehicle?
1: No, it does not. And um, I suppose, in um, a minimal way, it can, if the composer is a very um, sophisticated person, you know, extremely bright and able to do these things in a little way. But the structure doesn't allow for much lyrical comment. So you really wouldn't be able to say too much. You may be able to get a point or two across. Like I said, if you uh, with it, but um, the traditional calypso is where you get all those points across and uh, make these meaningful comments that can, as they say, God, uh, David Rudder say, make a politician cringe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned David Rudder because do you see him as an extension of your tradition, even though he works primarily in a Asoka context?
1: He's extremely uh, bright and um, uh, very talented. He's the kind of individual that on any given day he can come up with a gem. So he he would definitely, uh, he would have to be regarded as the heir apparent.
0: Mm -hmm. One other thing that I'd like to ask you, Sparrow, and it's something that I've always been fascinated by, despite this rich history that college has had, its great um, performers, composers. It hasn't had the same kind of international success as, say, reggae. Why do you think this has happened? Was it because Calypso didn't have a kind of promoter like Chris Blackwell that reggae had, or what?
1: It's difficult to know why the reggae is more popular than the Calypso. Um, Some of the things that People look for in a calypso and demand in a calypso. They don't make those same demands in a the reggae. They want good lyrics. They want a new melody. They want originality, and they want it to be rendered properly in a calypso. But with the reggae, they accept it as it is. You can talk it. You can, and, and you know, twenty-seven people can sing the same melody, and nobody complain. Uh, so it's very unfair to compare the calypso with the reggae in terms of popularity. Whatever the reggae has going for it, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's it's something that the Calypso just is not uh, known for. And in addition to to that, uh, there is uh, uh, a lot of big money spent to promote the reggae. No money at all has been spent to promote the Calypso. Um, big companies have come in and tried to do great things with the reggae. And uh, only minimal... Um, assistance is given to the Calypso. The Calypso, wherever it is, has reached to that level on its own merit. Mm-hmm. No set of hype, no set of uh, foreign assistance, you know, people coming down and falling in love with it and just playing, playing, you know. The, the, the Calypso had a little assistance, a little help from uh, the, um, the GIs. In the old days when the GIs, were in, in Trinidad. You know, the Calypso was taken by the soldiers and, and they would sing it overseas and, uh, and they're drinking mm. the rum and having a good time. And then and the Andrew sisters took a Calypso mm. and did Roman a thing. Uh, rum and Coca Cola. and Coca Cola. And Harry Belafonte did it a thing. And you could count the the, 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 the few times a Calypso got a boost on one hand. Whereas the reggae, you had government, you had rich people, you had um, all sorts of different influences uh, assist in the reggae. So, uh, but anyhow, you look at it, uh, I think the reggae is a byproduct of Calypso anyhow.
0: (laughs) Most Jamaicans would want to quarrel about it. Well, I mean, you can
1: quarrel if you want, I mean, but it is a byproduct. I mean, we're all Caribbean people with the same background, the same history, and uh, this music was here long before reggae. And uh, you can see the reggae was a byproduct of the ska, the blue beat, or well, you know, it all evolved. Mm. The calypso was first. True. As a composer, how would you regard someone like Bob Marley? Extremely great. It's a pity that uh, uh, he isn't around to really see how much people appreciate him. I know that um, at one point he was more popular outside of Jamaica than in. Still um, is, I think. <laughs> but um, you know he's fantastic, and um, whatever uh, accolades or laurels that he receives, I think he is well deserving of it. Insofar as an international
0: push or promotion for reggae, do you think what Eddie Grant is trying to do with Ice Records will be the kind of um, possibilities that we haven't seen before? Or is he just some other person trying to make a buck?
1: I really don't know what Eddie Grant is doing. I think he likes Calypso, though. And I think he likes certain Calypsonians more than he likes Calypso. I could be wrong. But um, <laughs> uh, what I can say is that uh, <laughs> we, we have a, a way of handling our thing. He has not fallen into that, that um, rhythm. He Mm. is introducing his own rhythm, his own way of doing things. And um, it will take me a while to really understand exactly what he is doing. But I don't think he's really doing any harm. In time, time will tell. What about your classic catalogue,
0: the RCA Masters? Will all those be made available through his label? Because I've seen some of them.
1: Well, um, he bought the rights to some of my work from someone uh, named Henry De Freitas. And um, I don't think Henry De Freitas had the right to sell it. But um, I spoke to Eddie and he assured me that everything is going to be all right. And I shouldn't quarrel too much with Henry because it is in his hands and uh, he's going to see to it that I get a fair shake. Uh, and that's about the size of it. I haven't seen, um, well, Henry is no longer with us, so, you know, sad to say, he passed away. And um, I just have to wait and see. I can't really see anything bad about Eddie Grant and his operation. You know, he's trying and nobody else tried. So even though I would perhaps like to see things uh, be done a different way, uh, I still have to respect his uh his uh, involvement and his experience, and then he's investing hard on money behind the thing. So let's say, as far as the Grant is concerned, wait and see, time will tell. For someone who has written possibly over 600
0: songs, achieved mostly anything that an artist could want to achieve, have you got any other ambitions?
1: I think my main ambition is to continue performing and doing the things that I love and uh what well, I'm happy with um i've I've explained to people from time to time that this is this is my hobby and uh it, it, it's very nice to know that you can earn a living by doing what is your hobby so have other ambitions sure I'd like to win the lotto I'd like to uh have a, a home in the French Riviera, I don't think I really can afford it, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> not not financially. But even though I you know I can afford it financially, I don't have the time. You know, I do enough traveling as it is as a performer. So I'm very cool with where I'm at. You know, I, I, instead of trying to to be over um, overly ambitious, I would like to consolidate my position and perhaps cut down on some things. (laughs) Thanks for listening to
0: Riffin Radio with Dermot Hussey. Be sure to like us and subscribe. We put out a podcast a week. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at R-I-F-F-I-N Radio. Facebook Dermot Hussey. And check out our YouTube channel Riffin Radio.